On today's Keto Culture podcast, our guest is Andy Swindler. Andy leads a movement called Lead from Love, and we're going to get into some real cool topics, among them ending loneliness in the world. So without further ado, let's start this podcast. Welcome to the Key to Culture podcast, a show that explores the sometimes unseen forces that animate, connect, and unleash thriving companies and teams. You're listening to the Key to Culture podcast, exploring vital energy and life force at work with Tom Kelly. So welcome to the Key to Culture podcast. Today, I'm very psyched to have Andy Swindler on the podcast. Welcome, Andy. Thank you for having me, Tom. Fantastic. Andy and I met a couple months ago. We joined this COS course, which is an alternative method of organizing a team or organization to hierarchy. And we quickly realized that we had so much in common that we needed to jump on the phone, jumped on the phone, and it, it really was like a parallel uh, path we have both been on. So Andy's working on some really cool stuff as far as that we'll get into later, as far as like making the scope of communication almost limitless, but we'll get into that in a second. Usually I ask right off the bat, what do you think the key to culture is? But I think I'll do it a little differently now. What do you, you ran a company, bring us up to speed on, you ran a company when you were really young and then how did you get into all the stuff that we're gonna be discussing with Lead From Love and, and that? How, how did the, your mind open to that realm? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, I started my first company. I was 24 and uh, basically didn't have much of an idea what I was doing. <laughs> I don't know if that's true of most 24-year-olds. Uh, uh, and actually, in those early years, we, we, we grew more slowly and more methodically, and I did a lot more things myself. And then I decided to, to grow the company, and eventually we had uh, you know, I had 13 full-time employees, a bunch of contractors, and doing all sorts of things. We focused on digital marketing, and we built our own content management platform, which was used by, uh, you know, Fortune 500 publishers. And, you know, we were doing all sorts of fun stuff. And, and you know, one of the, the biggest lessons I learned was about focus. And we were not focused enough. And things were, uh, for all of our accomplishments, I feel like, you know, we, we always kind of had our eye on the next thing. Uh, and, and so that meant that there was a, a, a lack of attention uh, to really focus on exactly what we do well and what we, and really what our purpose is. And that is what eventually led me to, uh, to get involved with conscious capitalism and really start to study the, the tools and the methodologies around building a healthy culture and around, you know, how is it that we can, uh, you know, serve our clients, serve our people, serve all of our stakeholders in the best and most balanced way uh, and, that, and that I can feel good about that and that balancing, you know, do we have to make a decision? I think the question emerges, you know, do we have to make a decision between uh, being efficient and, and doing good in the world and doing good for people? And I think there's actually a way not to have a trade-off there. And it's some of the things we were studying around collaborative operating systems. I look at that from a slightly different angle, and I, I mention it all the time, that why do we have to go to work and then on the weekend we go to a retreat center and have a really awesome personal experience, personal growth experience? Why can't, why can't those things be a little more overlapping? 
you know, what, what, why isn't it that people look forward to going to work because it's a place that, that expands us? So Andy, when did you form Lead from Love? Just about two years ago. You know, I sold my agency at the end of 2016 and it was, uh, it was just funny timing. I had been involved with a, a book project. I had interviewed 175 companies about their purpose and their values and their culture. And, uh, you know, that actually was an incredible project, but it, it, it burned me out a little bit along with my agency. And at the end of the 2016, I was just like, what next? You know, what am I going to do? And so Tim Kelly was in town and I, I know, you know, Tim. And uh, he was in, in town doing a workshop with the Conscious Capitalism Chicago chapter, which I'm involved with. And I, I actually, I leaned into that. I was like, I like picked him up from the airport and then I, you know, we had lunch and, and all that. And I ended up taking him back to the airport. And it's just like, hey, Tim, what's, you know, what's this, what's this purpose stuff all about? You know, I had actually interviewed him for the book and everything. I thought of all people, Tim might be, might have a clue as to how to figure out what to do next. And yeah, he has more than a clue. He actually developed an entire methodology around it. And now I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, triple certified in those methodologies, both at an individual level, small group level and, and a company level. And I think that that's, what's key is integrating purpose and values across all levels of the culture. Uh, oh, I guess I answered your question there. That's the key. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, well, go more, go more into that. Like, what is it about knowing your purpose that infiltrates all the all the levels of a company? I think it's a few things, but certainly it has to do with motivation. You know, when we look at engagement, uh, we often people are are I think trying to solve that problem from the outside in, saying, "Oh, well, how do we engage our people more, and how do we?" It's like, how do we almost trick them into being engaged? Right. And that just doesn't work. And I mean, that worked for a lot of the 20th century because we were still emerging out of the industrial revolution and the idea that workers just showed up and they were workers. Um, and more and more, that's, that's really not the future path of humanity. That's not how we're evolving as a species. Uh, Imperative has some really beautiful research and they have this statistic, which always comes to mind, that uh, only 1% of people are capable of being fulfilled in their lives if they are not fulfilled at work. Ooh. And the number of people who are fulfilled at work it more or less matches the, the number of people who are engaged. I'm sure that's not an accident. It's about, you know, 66, 70%, depending on what stat you look at, at least in the US, as, as terms of not, not fulfilled, not engaged. Uh, and engagement is, uh, is is what a lot of people focus on. Maybe most people actually focus on. And then fulfillment is one step beyond that. So so it's one thing just to have people engaged in the work, in the culture. It's like, are they showing up? Are they awake? Are they paying attention in some way? But then really, the most conscious companies are going a step beyond that. And how are we actually creating an environment where people are finding fulfillment here at the deepest levels? So it's almost as if you can't have fulfillment or it's tough to have fulfillment if you don't know the, your purpose, because how would you know if you're fulfilled? What would be the evidence that you're fulfilled if you didn't know what you were trying to do? Yeah, it's, it's a tool to, I think purpose is a lot of things, but one of the things it is, is, is a tool to uh, determine well, what a maybe somebody doesn't even necessarily know what fulfills them, uh, and so there's a, a deep exploration of what's possible there and what what is fulfilling. And then once you learn that, 
Uh, and it's not only just sort of inward what fulfills me, but then in almost all cases, what fulfills people, you know, we are wired for love, connection, and belonging, right? And that's, that's from Brene Brown. And, you know, what, what fulfills most people is some form of service at the deepest, deepest levels, you know, some form of service. And that in a company that can show up. So if a company cultivates a, a culture where they're service oriented, uh, that can happen internally. I mean, that can happen even just on the day-to-day, -day, you know, work and the day-to-day -day job. Uh, but it, it has a lot to do again with what we were studying around hierarchy. You know, hierarchy has a, has a natural way of diminishing that fulfillment because once people are locked into these boxes and there's politics and power struggles and all these sorts of things, uh, then people don't have, uh, you know, the, the two magical things we learned, right? Ownership and alignment. Uh, so I think there's a real direct correlation between, you know, people's empowerment within a culture and their ability to, you know, uh, uh, work in their own way that's going to fulfill them. And a lot of that, that could be, they could be fulfilled even by how they're serving their fellow employees if they're not uh, being dictated in it too, right? And they're being forced to do it a certain way. Uh, and certainly, you know, that shows up, especially in a lot of service-oriented companies, where that is how do we service our clients. And, you know, I think it's a little more than a lot of companies, uh, not that there's anything wrong with volunteering, but, you know, it, to your point, like integration to me looks more like how does this show up every day? Not, not just like, oh, we have a volunteer day once a month or once a year. That day on the farm or building the house almost exacerbates and illustrates how far they, you know, when you go back the next day and people are, have their heads down, it's like, ooh, what, what did we, what, why did we even do that? So you, we, we talked a little about the meta model that you showed me earlier. What, what is, what was it that you were documenting and mapping out? Yeah, so this, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, the, the purpose work I do you know, obviously for, for clients, but I first, and one of the things I love about the true purpose training was that I, I did it all for myself first, right? And I got connected uh, with what we call a trusted source, uh, which is uh, essentially creating a two-way dialogue with intuition and really clarifying that, that voice uh, of intuition. And there's a lot of power that comes from that kind of connection. And so the meta model initially emerged as an intuitive sense uh, that I just noticed this pattern and this pattern kind of came to me. And so the basics of it are that there's four movements. So the first is learn to learn and that's being rooted in compassionate curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, and then curiosity is in many ways the antidote to judgment. And that's a, a lifelong practice for all of us probably, <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we naturally have bias and it's easier for that bias to turn into judgment. Uh, and then the second movement is learn to love. And this I define as absolute appreciation and developing a sense of appreciation for uh, aspirationally for everything that exists. Mm -hmm. And that is aspirational because I don't think that it is really possible for somebody to be in a in a hundred percent state of appreciation all the time, but because it's aspirational, it's naturally humbling. That's the Buddha, or that's enlightenment. Is if you, I think I heard the Dalai Lama say, if if you can put yourself in everyone's shoes, then you've got that's it. 
you've got it because there's nothing else. Like you, you would be, you, you would be done judging if you could actually be in everyone's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe I should rephrase that. There's a tiny percentage of people who, who achieve enlightenment. <laughs> Not being in the club. I, I don't know. I don't think I've met them, but yeah. you know, in some combination of compassionate curiosity and absolute appreciation is like, can you just, I don't know, like I'm looking at this tree outside my window and, and sometimes I will do just do this as an exercise. And, and not like, actually, I shouldn't even put it that way. It's not like a, a, a an exercise, you know, that I'm sort of formally doing. It's just, can I just slow down and stop and appreciate, uh, like, that I don't even understand how a tree grows. You know, I don't understand how a seed, I mean, we can explain some of the science behind it, but there's there's an element of magic to life that I don't think we actually fully explain. Yes, and I have found that when I'm doing that, when I'm getting closer to that really real curiosity and really everything's interesting and I really want to know a lot of times that's if I've gotten sick, you know, a, a, a life threatening illness will do that right away. It'll put you right in total appreciation when you're not mourning what just happened to you, but it's wild. Or when big events happen, it's like life becomes very real and you, the the trance is over and and I at least go towards like ooh this is the trees are brighter this is pretty interesting and then and then uh, you know psychotropic drugs also might put you in that state but yeah I, th I think so there's 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 something I think there's something to why can't work be a special place where life happens mm. and not and not the pause. I had a guy who used to come to work on Monday morning and say, back to reality. It's like, oh, that's, that's really painful. And that's how it is for most people. Yeah. And I, I, along with thousands of other, you know, conscious people, including yourself, are, are on a mission to change that. Right. How, how can we, which is why I'm so grateful that you're doing this podcast. And I think, uh, there's an emergence. I think there's a big shift in the last decade and, and something, it seems to be accelerating. There seems to be more and more momentum. Um, and some of the forces that are out of control on the, the extractive capitalism side of things also seem to be gaining momentum. So it's like, that's almost like we're in a race. Yeah, I, I heard you talking about people expecting more. And I think of the younger generations where they are disparaged sometimes for being entitled but if you really think about it we're all entitled we're all entitled to have the best experience we could have so you you, you were mentioning before we hit record how this is an evolutionary thing like this is it's it's we are all moving say could you say more about that how how that it's not just a younger generation it's it's we, we are actually seeing an, an evolution fundamentally well it's it's why i use the term love you know, I believe that love is the natural state of the universe. And I think we're actually returning to that state. And that, that this is part of our evolution, you know, as we've developed this rather extraordinary civilization, we're obviously also facing our own potential destruction. And, and that's this great paradox. And, you know, I don't think we're going to, we can't go back, you know, we're not going to like, tear it all down. Uh, well, we might do that sort of accidentally, but I don't think anybody really wants to do that. So we have to figure out how can we come together? 
right? How can we, and I know you and I share a fascination for how can we use this technology, to, this technology we're using right now. Yep. And you are uh, one of many people I know that I've never actually met in person. Yep. And I've only met through video technology. Oh, yeah. And, and yet, I still feel very, very close to you. And, and in a few occasions, I've met somebody in person who I had only known through video. And other than uh, the main thing that shows up is like, oh, I thought you were shorter or something like that. Yep, <laughs> but, totally. Um, but other than that, uh, we don't tend to skip a beat. So I think this is, I, until we get to the you know Star Wars holograms and whatnot, um, although those were kind of low res, I hope we do better than that. But uh, but until we get there, I think this is this is the best we can do. And and what the, the advantage of it, right, is that it, uh, in a way, it actually breaks down hierarchy, right? Because it kind of just, like the article you wrote, like, you know, men who stare at men in little boxes, like, yeah. you know, just sort of puts everybody in that grid. And the other thing, of course, is that it breaks down these geographic barriers. And, you know, to me, connecting at the heart level is, is a vulnerable expression. It's a courageous expression. Uh, Brene Brown talks about a lot. Those are inextricably connected concepts. And, and it's not about being fearless. It's about actually moving ahead in, in, with the fear, moving ahead with it. And it's a lot of the, the deeper consciousness work. So this is the evolution I think we're in. Uh, people describe it many, many different ways. Um, I think it is a consciousness evolution. Uh, and, and I think it's also really meeting people where they are and having extraordinary compassion for where people are. And part of that relates very much to understanding how we got here. And I think there is a tendency to want to maybe skip over that. I mean, a lot of my work is, is around uh, systemic racism and privilege. And uh, I know that's a topic that, that you're um, very passionate about as well. And we have to understand where we came from. So again, going back to the meta model, that's, that's the first movement is learn to learn, right? And so that compassionate curiosity is about me being curious about you interpersonally. That's about... Uh, understanding the roots. How did this country truly come to be? How did this company truly come to be? And, and facing that, facing that with courage. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the last podcast I recorded, uh, my guest was talking about a story where she, she ran into a business owner that said, I am not emotional. I'm not, I, I, my emotions do not come into it. I am very organized. I am very put together. I, I like it like this and like this. And she, she laughed out loud because she, that guy didn't even realize that the reason why you're so organized is a reaction to an emotions that you had about something else. And you've totally organized your life to, to take care of that. So to, he doesn't even know where he came from. He just, he, he thinks he just was born organized maybe, but probably not. So I love it. So it's, yeah, I think a lot of company cultures, they try to do something without really understanding how they got to today. Like what's the, what's their origin story and who, who were all the you know, the players that brought, or what, what were the events that brought this to, to this? So did we, did we get through the, um, the entire model? I, I, uh, we got through half of it. So we're, we're, so the next, the third movement, so we've got learn to learn, learn to love. The third movement is learn to laugh. Uh, and I describe this as limitless liberation. 
And I, I think that's another big part of our, our evolution right now is, is just learning to laugh and, and learning to, and, and again, this relates to, this is why it's, it is drawn in a certain order, uh, you know, because there, there can be a danger to bypass, you know, a lot of the real tragic problems that exist in our world and, and just focus on, well, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I'm okay and I just want to have a good time and I'm entitled to that. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a real challenge we're up against right now uh, when people don't understand how, where did all that privilege and, and ability to just laugh and have a good time come from. And at the same time, we can't also swing to the other side and sink into, well, oh, now that I've pulled back the curtain and I understand the, the tragedy of, of so much of our history, um, that I'm just gonna like, like just subordinate myself to to never having uh, any kind of good time or ever laughing again. You know, yeah, like yeah. so many things, it's yeah. a balance. But if the world's gonna, if if we really are going towards the edge of of global climate catastrophe, then how can I go to a movie? You know? Well, it, it's funny you say that because lately I've been thinking. You know, if we've only got like twelve years or whatever the current uh, estimate is, then. Uh, you know, I'm I'm all for like digging our digging our heels in and and, and getting this done, and, and I know we're both committed to that. But I'll tell you what, if, if we get to the 12 years and it turns out we we're, we're goners anyway, I'm going to be kind of pissed. I, I kind of would have rather I just partied the whole time. <laughs> and also, if you get to the end of the 12 years and we're not we not much changed and we're not gone, then right. oh, so yeah, it's probably good to, you know, and also. It's it's just you do better work when you have that piece of the model in your life, obviously. And and I, you know what else hit me is um, the idea that that laughter part, learn to laugh. I think is might be relearn because didn't we all know how to do limitless? What'd you say? Limitless liberation. Liberation at two years old, one years old. You know that's what our deal was. That's right. Yeah, we could. We have a lot to learn from children about play and laughter. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the interesting thing is in this context of like, oh, now we should really, you know, do something because maybe the world's going to end. Um, you know, even that's like a, a fear based motivation. So, so I think, you know, what, whatever happens, it's, it's still, it's worthwhile for us to, uh, you know, to decide how we're going to be, you know, how we're going to be together. I think that's the great question for humanity right now. How are we going to be together? And I think purpose is a beautiful way to discover that because it, it, it gives me the self-reflection and the deep consciousness to understand, well, how do I even want to be with myself and how do I want to show up and how do I want to be in service? Uh, and then imagine billions of people having that level of, of awareness and, uh, and and vulnerability, right? So they go hand in hand, like the, the the awareness, and then also like, and that's a big part of it. You know, I think this idea of of play, uh, which we're also hardwired for, uh, it's only possible if we have a safe container. You know, and, and you and I both are involved in Mankind Project, and and that I learned a lot out there about how to create a safe container for vulnerability, and. And part of that is also that play requires a safe yes. container. Yep, yep. It's it's amazing in MKP where because I came to MKP kind of late in my development, and so I, I had 
I had seen a lot of I'd seen a lot of dark male banter. You know, most of my life was just we all thought that that's how you did it. You just zinged the other person, and whoever got the best zings and was the least injured emotionally, you were you, that was good. You won. But I, I I saw in MKP where you set the container and you everyone trusts each other, and you'd think if you didn't experience it that that would be the end of banter and zingers. It's not. It's it's still very much there, but it's in this. It's it's all with honoring everybody. So you can talk about someone's performance in the, you know, in the staffing or whatever, but it's, you, st- you have a blast, but it's all with, with love and with respect, but it didn't go away. Matter of fact, there's more, seems there's more fun in those intense containers that, that I call it detention fun. Like when you're in school, if nothing's more fun than not being able to talk and ha- wanting to crack up with your friend, it's, <laughs> it's the highest form of like, you know, um, so so and then so take us the fourth part is into what was the first leg because i i you said the fourth is leadership but that does is it a is it a continuum it is it's a continuum i drew it as a circle or as a cycle uh because i think that we are always going through this and and then eventually that cycle turns into a spiral as it goes up and actually I'm playing with a new vision of it that is like a, a dual spiral. Maybe it, maybe it sort of looks like a double helix uh, because I think we're weaving in, this is like the gold and it's literally, I use the color gold, uh, the virtuous version of how to behave. And, and there's a shadow side to it as well. And so I'm working on that now, like, well, what does the shadow of the meta model look like? And how do those, they, I think they weave together throughout life. Yeah. And we're focusing on different elements. Um, so the fourth movement is learn to lead. And so this is where, you know, I, my, the name of my practice is lead from love. And I define leadership at its best as making courageous choices. And we've, we've hinted at that a little bit here with, with courage. And that to me is what, what all this boils down to. What is the choice we're making in the moment? And that, that the purpose work, uh, speaks to that like are we making a purposeful decision are we making a values-based decision there there's just so many different lenses to look through and is it coming from deep within is it is it an intrinsically motivated that that i'm doing this because it is not based in fear not based in uh, uh not based in a fear in a in a, a sense of lack of some way, right? That I am enough, uh, ideally, that I'm making courageous choices uh, to overcome a sense of fear, to overcome uh, any sense that I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know the outcome. And it's that balance between understanding that within ourselves and then being vulnerable enough to to share that in the appropriate way with people. Totally. Is there a archetypical overlay to this I, I i started forming one in my mind like the when you got to leadership i thought you know enlightened leadership is king you know uh like an enlightened king energy and learning is a little magician and laughter is a little lover and uh what was the the, the second the second spoke 
Well, the second is learn to love. So that might be the lover. So maybe there's no, there's no warrior necessary in the, in the new incarnation. Well, that's interesting to think about. I hadn't, ma- I mapped the, uh, the, the medicine wheel onto this and the, the four directions. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, I, I guess in this model that warrior and king uh, uh, form leadership. Right, right. Which in every model they do. So that's good. Done right, they, that's what's happening. Yeah, I love it. And then, and then maybe a magician, it's probably a combination of learning and, and laughter. I feel like. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, in the, in the advanced model, the king warrior magician lover is dissolving, you know, that, that, that's pretty rudimentary. That's that's for, you know, when you're first moving in, Oh, okay. This makes sense. But so let's talk a little bit. We're getting, we're getting um, towards the end, but let's talk a little bit about the thing that really sparked in our conversation, the idea I don't know how much you can divulge about what you're planning, but the idea that communication across geographic distance with affinity groups or anybody could be a real huge tool in this, this evolution. And I know that you, you, you know, I, I discovered it, I don't know, six, seven years ago, a man from Spain just wanted to get, people from who do men's work together. So he reached out and 10 people signed up and we met every other week for five years. And so now I have friends. I did a Norwegian vacation. I had a friend in Oslo and a friend in Helsinki. Like what, how is that possible? Like good friend. I knew, I knew him really well, like more than I know my guys from high school practically. So I'm, I'm a huge believer, but tell me about how you came to it and how you're envisioning it. Yeah. So about 11 and a half years ago, uh, I had a dream where I, I had my, uh, for any of the Back to the Future fans in the audience, I had my flux capacitor moment. Or when I came to, I drew this. And that literally happened. And I, I have the original drawing over here. It's on seven pages. And the idea was, uh, I was actually just thinking about this earlier today. I got to get my like elevator pitch down. But... What I'm playing with now, you know, the purpose of this uh, idea is to bring together hearts that have been divided by minds. And maybe a more practical or or accessible idea is uh, how do we cure loneliness? And that is one of the greatest epidemics of our time. And I think technology has been a huge contributor to that. So the question I think you and I are both really fascinated with is how can technology counteract that? How can this kind of technology actually bring people together who, who are feeling separated and feeling lonely, who, you know, at the worst case, that may result in a suicide. Uh, but even if it's not quite to that extreme, uh, it maybe results in how people show up at work and it results in how people they show up in their families and with their loved ones and in their relationships and all these things and dulled parents you know so that is uh being uh evolved uh into the project uh, and the launch of feel real and that is what i'm up to now and approaching that and the idea which has never changed. There's some nuances, but the thing that's never changed since that original vision is organizing people in small groups in real time. 
because there's an intimacy there that's necessary. And there's also a deconstruction of hierarchy, which I know we've both studied a lot about, uh, you know, and, and can we empower people to hold space for each other? Right. A lot of people, there are a lot of space holders out there. I've been meeting dozens of them over the last few years. And that's, that's where I think this starts. But then how do we actually expand it beyond that where, where people, much like the MKP model, right, where we're empowered to hold space for each other. And it's such a beautiful model. And that has exponentially grown since yeah. whatever, 1985 to like 60,000 men. So that, that I think is what needs to happen, that we need an exponential growth. Uh, one of the other ways I think about it is how do we scale intimacy, which yeah. is an intentional paradox. And I think this is how. When, we, when there's a place that people can go and they know that they're going to be met where they are yep. and they know that they can be vulnerable and they know that, uh, and it doesn't mean that, that we all feel good all the time, as you know, right? Like, no, it's, is, it gets yep. real. It gets real in a safe environment where you know we're going to do it again next time. No one's, no one's breaking up with anyone. The whole purpose is to get real. So That's right. when you start to feel, when you start to feel like, Oh, things are, things are vibrating. I think somebody's mad. Well, that's, you learn to be, that's good. Now we're there. Now we're all there. Let's all be there. And then we put ourselves together at the end and then we'll meet again. And that, I think that's what you're talking about. That's, that is intimacy. And that is, you belong to something. Mm, that's exactly right. Yep. Belong to something. Which is what all the, ancient initiations were about with 13 year old boys but and people ask me a lot all my, the men's work that i've done they ask me well why don't you work with kids and it's like i could but i they, there's a lot of things for kids there's not a lot there's a lot of wayward lonely people who are older and w w you can't hit re reset like th those people are all making decisions and stuff so we like I'm going to get some, I'm going to help some of them. That's right. And they wield a lot of power in business and interpersonally. And a lot of that power is, is not used in service of, of people. I mean, it's, it could, I could easily get esoteric and, and paint a vision of, uh, you know, officers from the Iranian army and the U S army and the British army and the Saudi army, like on a call talking, getting to know each other. And they'd have a tough time, you know, going at it after that because what are we doing? We're, we're all, we all, we're all having wife problems. Like, why don't we just do that? So, <laughs> part of our job is, and they, you do this well, and some of the people we know, Tim Kelly and Keith Marin, they do it well, where they, they share all this heart loving space, but they do it in a very organized. Uh, palatable for the masses way where there's still credibility and you can still get the message. So I really, I appreciate that about you. And, and I, that's why, you know, I love, um, it brings me back when I, when I get floaty and esoteric, things bring me back to, no, no, we got to do this. This is now, this is not, it's not an ashram. This is life right here. Yeah. It's that idea of, you know, clarity is kindness. And I think that's, I, I've spent a lot of my life, more comfortably in the, the divergent space and the kind of open space. And I think there is a, there's an element of kindness and compassion and, and that clarity. Here's the container. Here's what I'm about. Here's my intention here. Here's what I'm going through right now. 
Good. So we're we're uh, we're going to come to a close. So yeah, where can people learn more about the some of the concepts you've talked about? So if you go to feelreal.net, uh, we do have information there as the as the community is being rolled out and developed. Uh, but you can certainly learn more about it there. And if you want to contribute in some way, how to do that, and then also some of the other things we talked about related to my practice, uh, leadfromlove.io is the domain. And the meta model, you can go to leadfromlove.io slash meta model to learn more about that and look at the, I have a whole spreadsheet of all the research and all the frameworks that, that have been rolled into it. Perfect. And I'll put those links with the podcast link on the Keto Culture website also. So good. Well, this has been fantastic, just like I imagined. Yeah, I, I imagine we're going to have more stuff to talk about down the road, but this has been really great. And I thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, let's have a sequel. And awesome. Always a pleasure. Good stuff. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to the Key to Culture podcast, sponsored by Quantius, the premier marketing agency for emerging technology. Quantius, smart, fast, curious.